Survival training with Wolverine? Surviving what? Drinking beer, grunting, and fucking trees? Welcome to episode four of the Mutant Musings Evolution Podcast for the middle of February 2021. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my drill sergeant, Patty. Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. And I cannot underscore how much it hurts me when you don't follow us on social media. Why are you people hurting Jonathan? I feel pain when you ignore mutant musings on Instagram and Twitter. Stop hurting Jonathan or I'm going to find you and kick your ass. But you can stop all that pain today just by pushing the follow button. Your ass is grass and Patty's lawnmower. You can save a Jonathan today by following mutant musings on social media. You better do it or I'm going to put your genitals in a blender. And speaking of genitals, people have them and we talk about them. Unless you're under 18, then genitals don't exist yet. Who? We're adults, so we get to say big adult words like clitoris and condom. And pee-pee and poo-poo. So that means unless you're a big grown adult and can handle big grown adult words... Like vast deference and fallopian. Then get your parents' permission before listening to us. Yes, and you can ask them what all of those big words mean while you're at it. If the rest of you are ready to put the genital to the metal... Like in a blender. Then there's your explicit content warning. That was a good intro, Jonathan. You did a good job. Wait, was it really? Yeah. Honestly, I'm glad that you think this was a good one. But I mean, really, I think I peaked with um with butt cotton, to be honest with you. I think the I think the butt cotton commercial thing that I wrote and I threw at the beginning of an episode, feeling weepy over teepee, don't be forgotten that butt cotton, that is where that is where my writing fucking peaked. Um, it's never going to get better than that, folks. It's all been downhill. You might as well, get, you might as well quit now, then, <laughs> while you're ahead. Fine. This is the final episode where we t- after we talked about a few random episodes of X Men Evolution. No more. That's Good. it. It's done. Now the people, <laughs> the people aren't going to know how the cartoon ended. What the fuck? How are they supposed to know if we don't tell them? Where else are they going to find out, Patty? <laughs> oh man, how you doing, Patty? I'm doing okay. Been reading a lot of Yaoi lately. If anybody has any suggestions, um, I will happily accept them. Okay, for those of us not in the know, what is uh, what is Yaoi exactly? Other than onomatopoeia for when you burn your hand on something, what is Yaoi? <laughs> Por- is it pornography? When two men really love each other. Uh-huh. And sometimes there are comics made about their love. Sometimes they're explicit, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you just want the raunchy stuff. One when one penis spreads its wings, flies on in for a, for a landing inside the other penis. <laughs> just just dock that plane. Just oh my dock God. that just dock that penis plane right. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, good. What about you? I just got you a switch. It's Christmas. <laughs> Spoilers. We've talked about this. About about this before people don't need to know when this is happening. Fine. No, it's 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 good. I'm very I'm very happy. Been playing some Streets of Rage four. What else? I beat Mega Man three <laughs> because I felt like it and I can. Because I got you a Switch, a game console that came out recently, and you're playing a game from like 25 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Thirty years ago, excuse okay. me. <laughs> Do you all know that Patty got me a Wii U so I could play the first Mother game on it because it was it's the only true. console. <laughs> the only console in the United States we've ever been able to play Mother on. 
a game that came out only in Japan in like 1989. So yeah, I got a Wii U a few years ago from Patty, and that's the first thing I did was play Earthbound Beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I did. I just got it, Patty. What do you what do you expect me to, to do? Um, all right, so yeah, we got a couple episodes that we're gonna talk about. I am. Very excited because I very much liked these two episodes. Obviously, there are some issues with them, but but overall, I really liked both of them. The first one, in my opinion, is an absolute blast. We're still in season one, but we're getting close to the end of season one. It was a, it was a short season. So this is season one, episode nine, Survival of the Fittest. And uh, the kids go to camp, but it's not like sleepaway fun camp. Drill camp. It's not drill camp. What do you call At it? camp. Patty, it's not fat camp. We, we <laughs> the blob was there. What? That's so fucked up. So if the blob goes somewhere, <laughs> it's fat camp? Oh, look, the blob goes to that high school. That must be fat high school. Exactly. <laughs> Patty, that's messed up. I don't want to make fun of fat people. It's not body shame, all right? Uh, like military camp or something. And and so I really like this. I really like this episode because both uh, both the, the X-Men students were there and the Brotherhood were there. And, and it was a lot of fun. But the episode opens with this maximum security facility, and uh, you see this um, fucking guard just walking through, going through all these like defenses or whatever that are in place. We don't know what the heck they're hiding behind or holding behind all of these defenses. And it turns out that this guard is actually Mystique, and this big fucking tube is pulled up with this liquid inside, and she drains the liquid. <laughs> she drains Kane's liquid. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's Kane. It's Kane. Uh, Mystique is like, there's a long overdue family reunion with your brother Charles Xavier. Gasp! But yeah, so so the kids, the kids are at Iron <laughs> Ironback <laughs> Survival Camp. The uh, whole time I was just like bareback. Are we getting <laughs> back into Yowie? <laughs> but he calls Scott Scott Sumner. How do you fuck up Scott Summers? It's some calls him Sumner. Well, it's still alliteration. Yeah, that's true. So, like, the the kids seem annoyed that they're there. Like, Rogue doesn't want to be there. Kitty doesn't want to be there. Spike makes it a point to remind the viewer a few times throughout this episode that he is from the city. He doesn't do this kind of thing. They don't have bugs in the city, apparently. They don't have bugs in the city. Patty, we've been to the city. We have been to the city. We know for a fact that there are no bugs in the city. I do not remember seeing one bug in the city. Exactly. You you will never see a bug in the city. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So Gina's like, come on. We, we, we got to do this. Professor gave us a choice. Survival training here or with Wolverine. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, that, that was great. They're like, I think we have a better chance at surviving here than surviving with Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah, so so we find out more about about Kane. Xavier had him locked up there, and the reason why she's trying to break him out is not just because she's a bitch and likes pissing <laughs> in the X Men Cheerios. She uh, she wants to get her hands on Cerebro, so that's why she wants the Juggernaut out and to break into the mansion. And uh, and so fine. So so there's there are, are two plots set up. We've got Ironback Survival Camp, and we've got Juggernaut going to get Cerebro. But he was like, nobody tells me what to do. And then just, you know, walks through all of these buildings and trains and whatever to try getting to the mansion. Yeah. You know, he could have just like taken taken that train. He could have. Instead of just walking through it and just oh, he's, like. He's a dramatic bitch. You know that. 
Yeah, I feel like that would have been cute. He just like, you know, busts out of the military facility and then you see him at like the ticket window asking for, you know, like a round trip uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to Bayville and then sitting in the train fucking full armored up and everybody's just like sitting around him. All right, so at survival camp, all the kids are having this fucking, uh, uh, this race. They got to do a bunch of things, climb the rope, do the fucking hand rail thing down down the zip line. That's it, the zip line. And then, and then untie a knot and get on the inflatable boat. And so, of course, it's it's got to be super competitive. And it's got to be two dudes being super competitive with each other. And, of course, it has to be... Do I smell sexual tension? It's got to be, yeah. It's got to be... Uh, the, two, the two hotties? Yes. Yeah, yeah, really? Did you, Patty, did you just call Scott Summers a hottie? You did. No. There's, there's audio because evidence that's what Jeep calls him. And also, Jeep? I think it was an interesting but brave choice to make Scott Summers a twink. He is a hottie. Gene did not call him a hottie. In yes, fact, she did. Oh, Patty, no, that was Rogue. Rogue didn't call him a hottie. Somebody did. Nobody called him a, a hottie. You called him a hottie. <laughs> and there's audio evidence of it now. Yeah, good. Patty said Scotty's a hottie. Scotty uh-huh. the hottie. Yeah, he's not slim in this show. He's Scotty the hottie Summers. So anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so you got Scott and Lance fucking ego-driven uh, bullshit competing with each other to get to the finish first. Lance, as they're like untying their inflatable boats, Lance is like, Hey, Summers, can you swim? And he's like, Oh, uh, yeah. And Lance is like, Okay. And then he creates an earthquake and Scott falls in the water so Lance can go win. And then, you know, like the the ex kids are standing there and like, Oh, no, that's that's not fair. And Gene's like, Oh, Scott will handle it like, like he should. And then you see Scott. <laughs> optic blasts lands out of the boat into the water and then scott scott wins and so it that was that was very funny to me it was it was very funny but you know scott scott's angry you know like how come he gets to be a jerk use his powers and like mess us up and we're supposed to be playing by the rules and i thought that was really interesting to see scott like that yeah i was really surprised like mr perfect boy scout over here is going yeah. to you know break the rules okay yeah, but I mean, again, this comes down to like a, a teenage fucking ego thing. You got these two dudes who are like fit. They're like the leaders or supposed to be leaders of their respective groups going head to head. And one of them got knocked out unfairly. And rather than play it by the rules and take second place and be like, nope, we're going to be good. We're going to do what we should do. Scott was like, no, fuck this guy and blast him out of his boat. So honestly, it was it was a little weird, but I really like seeing it. And so, you know, like the two groups... The Brotherhood and the X-Men, they start like yelling at each other and the sergeant gets mad and makes them all do push-ups. And then he's got like, um, he's got this flag on top of Mount Humiliation. It's a very, <laughs> very, very kinky episode with iron <laughs> back and humiliation. But, but he's like, yeah, all right. So whichever, whichever team gets that flag back to me wins. And so obviously, you know, they're mutants and you've got Kurt, who's the teleporter and Pietro, who can run real fast. But, you know, and the sergeant supposedly doesn't know any of this, but he's just like the whole team or no one. And so, you know, before any more fighting, Scott and Lance agree that they're not going to use their powers. And this was really cute. Gene's like, good, then it's settled. No powers. And I, for one, am proud. And then Scott pulls her off the screen. I thought that was really cute. Gene's really cute. Gene is cute, but she doesn't have much of a personality in this show. I mean, I get that you're not a big fan of that, but I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, there's each one of them has to have like sort of like a unique personality, right? That's but you she know. doesn't have one. But that but that's the thing. She has a good one. She's the good one. So especially in this episode, if Scott is like, "Oh, I'm a leader, but I'm willing to break the rules sometimes," Jean has to be the contrast to that. I don't like Jean being the other Boy Scout. That's stupid. She's not a Boy Scout. She's a Girl Scout. <laughs> <laughs> Or or brownie. That's what you have, right? You got the no, brownie brownies scouts? are like the the kindergartners. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh wait, are those Fine. daisies? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was never allowed to be in Girl Scouts, so What the fuck? Why? Were they too socialist for your parents? No, I think it was it was probably because um, you know, my brother had to do something, so that was more important. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it happened. We had Cub Scouts. Um, that's what we were when we were little. And then, you know, Boy Scouts. But at one point, there were also the Weeblos. What? And yeah. Yeah, they were called Weeblos. Weeblow Scouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what, see, that's what I'm saying. Even when I was young, before I really knew what that meant, I thought something was wrong with, with that term, Weeblow. The Weeblos. It's like, you know, Weeblow, but also Weeaboo. Yeah. Like, Weeblow, Weeblow, Weeaboos. <laughs> like every anime convention you could right, uh anyway. yeah you can make a lot of money with that service all right anyway all right so then so we learn a, a little bit about kane because cerebro detects kane and and i know you immediately were like we're like how like how the fuck could cerebro detect kane because guess what he's a mutant but he's a latent mutant or a special mutant or something they, they kind of like backtracked it they're like he's a mutant but also not really yeah, Xavier's explanation was like he was born with an X gene, but it remained dormant. So he awakened it with mysticism. So they're taking a, quite a bit of an exception here. Uh, not just with that, but also half-brother. Apparently they share the same father in this show instead of the whole stepbrother thing. Not that it really matters. I don't remember how many times Juggernaut appears in X-Men Evolution. I don't feel like this is his only appearance. But, I mean, for the purposes of this episode, I don't really care. I mean, half-brother, step-brother is pretty much the same thing, right? They're both, like, genres in porn. You know, you're not going to find, like, a a step-brother thing and then complain that it's not a half-brother thing, right? Okay, so, Patty, I don't know if you know how how it works. (laughs) But one of them, uh, one of them entails blood relation, and the other one is not blood relation. Understand how that works? I mean, they're both they're both like a porn thing, so that's that's uh-huh. just how I I view it. Yeah, sure. Like you know, milf porn. You know, yeah, like when yeah. you fuck, like when you fuck your mother. You know. <laughs> no, seriously, people out there who watch porn, like, does it ever annoy you when you see that like the title of a video is like, "Oh, my stepbrother did me in the ass," and you're no, like, "Why does it you- have to be your stepbrother?" <laughs> And, like, you know for a fact that they are not step-siblings. You know for a fact, like, why do they are they trying to pass it off like they're actually related when they're not? Like, you just know you're not. Like, stop trying to add this fucking story to it just to make it weird. Like, it pisses me off. It really does. I'm like, <laughs> listen, like, I know these two porn stars. I know that their parents don't know each other. God. <laughs> Never mind. All right. So so it was neat. Storm takes the Blackbird to create a ton of fog around where Kane is. Yeah, the cops try to stop him, and Kane just flips the cop cars. And like, yeah. Yeah, he's fucking... comrade. 
He's red too. He's yeah. red. How do you like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Logan and Charles are there to discuss the plan to stop him. If he gets into the mansion, and I'm like, uh, yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Just, just the two of them. I mean, it's, you know, it's possible, but all right. So anyway, so, so back at, at back at the fucking camp, you've got the brotherhood climbing the mountain and Toad finds what he thinks is a shortcut. And so Scott wants Spike to nail a rope up towards the top so so they can get up there quicker. And then Scott sees everyone is is disappointed. And then Jean shows up and she's like, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to do things by the book sometimes, Patty. Patty, listen, you're an accountant, all right? You do things by the book. When you don't do things by the book, what do you call it? Cooking the books. That's a term <laughs> I learned because of you. Jean is not a book cooker. She is not Jean book cooking gray. She does things by the books. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So anyway, so so yeah, so the Brotherhood tried taking a shortcut, and so this is fucking genius. So they're inside a mountain, right? They're inside a mountain, and and the hole up top looks a little too thin. So what's the solution? The solution is to shake the rocks, cause cause a, a quake, great to make uh, opening yeah. bigger. Like yeah. I know that I know that um, Lance is supposed to be like. Or, like, the whole team, they're not, like, you know, the brightest bulbs. But, I mean, Lance, I don't think is that stupid. But he did it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so, yeah, of course. Of course, he causes a cave-in. So, yeah, everything's shaking, and then Evan falls off the side. And then Gene catches him. And I thought that that was cool. Um, Gene's been doing a little bit better lately, by the way. Since the episode uh, when the blob had her tied up. And it was like it took like all of her effort to get, you know, the fucking uh the the fucking metal like unwrapped around her. She's catching people now. She can catch a whole Evan. <laughs> so I know honestly, I, I thought that that was cool. And we see that again in, at the final battle in this episode, and I thought that was neat too. Um, but so so yeah, so Gene saves Evan. Rogue sees that the Brotherhood caves themselves in, and so of course you know the, the X Men are going to save them, and and they do. And so I thought that was kind of nice. But anyway, so Kane makes it to the fucking mansion. He, you know, walks right through the defenses on the lawn. And then Logan is trying to attack him. And of course, it it doesn't work. But I would think that, like, Xavier, you know, Xavier did tell Logan, like, with enough enough psychic blasts, I can stop him unless he's wearing his helmet. So you would think that part of this plan would be like, hey, Logan, what you should be doing. (laughs) Yeah, instead of just throwing yourself at him and growling loudly would be to try to (laughs) unlatch the helmet. But but anyway, yeah, no, that didn't happen. And and it's okay. It worked out in the end, but that that was kind of funny. But yeah, Kane just throws Logan right through the fucking walls and Kane smashes Cerebro and Raven is pissed because that's what she fucking came there for. That's all she wanted was to be able to get in there um, and get her hands on Cerebro and get out. And now it's fucking destroyed. But anyway, so Storm has been in the Blackbird. You know, she was she was flying after Kane and setting up all the fog. So she's, she stops at the camp. So Kurt and Pietro made it to the flag at the same time. But that's when Storm shows up and is like, you know, Xavier is in danger and Mystique is too. So, you know, everybody come and help. But all the kids take a picture together and they leave it for the sergeant. And so that that was kind of cute. So the best thing that anybody can do apparently at this point in the mansion is Logan is, I guess, knocked out somewhere. And so Charles and Raven are in the danger room and Charles activates the danger room to try to hold off Kane. And 
Charles and Maven are basically just cowering in the corner. And so this is this was honestly my problem with this with this episode. I mean, I ended up liking it a lot, like a lot, a lot. But so the thing is, is we haven't seen Mystique in action too much so far. When she was trying to scare Rogue, we saw kind of what she was capable of, but we don't know her like she is in the comics, where she's like an insane combatant. You know, we can kind of assume that she can hold hold her own. At least I'd like to think no, so. In the juggernaut. Show. But but so if the thing is no, like hand to hand, absolutely not. But what I'm getting at is, if all they need is the helmet to come off, you're telling oh, me that yeah, true. She, that she herself couldn't go after those four latches. So that was my issue. Is you know she's this defenseless woman in the corner. And she looked we, just, you know, turning into animals and running away. She didn't even try doing that. She was just cowering. Right? Like, turn into a fucking bird or whatever and fly around him and then try to fucking peck the one of the latches or something. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, the X-Men and the Brotherhood show up in time and, and this th- this sequence was, like, probably one of my favorite in all the episodes we've watched so far. Just the fucking, like, teamwork to take the Juggernaut down. How Everybody... many X-Men does it take to change a light bulb? Yes, all, all of, them. of them. And the Brotherhood, too. Um, <laughs> but, it was, but it was a lot of fun. I thought it was so much fun. Everybody was, like, trying to do something. And again, it came back to, to fucking Jean, who has some trouble, because the Juggernaut is big and unstoppable. But she manages to lift him off the ground and hold him in the air. And that was cool. Oh, that was really cool. But, like, you know, the blob was, like, unstoppable... Uh, try something immovable or something like that. I don't know. Just like everybody was taking turns just trying to piss him off. And then, you know, you get fucking Kurt, you know, bamps in and like undoes a latch. And Pietro runs over and undoes a latch. And Kitty gets a latch. And then fucking Toad with his tongue wraps around the middle and pulls it off. And you can see the terrified look on Kane's face as he runs towards Charles as Charles just starts blasting him. Um, and he like passes out right in front of Charles. Xavier just shuts him down. And it was just honestly, it was just such a cool sequence. I absolutely loved the teamwork here between the X-Men and the Brotherhood. And Mystique is like, come on, boys, let's get out of here before you're invited to a, sl- a slumber party. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And then they show the the prison. And Kane is back in the green vat and he's going back underground. And Logan mentions how repairs on Cerebro have already started. And Scott and Jean have a cute little moment, a little flirty moment uh, about being nudged in the right direction. And he's like, if you ever feel like, like I need one, nudge away. And it was just, it was really cute. But, you know, a couple of things, a, a couple of other issues aside from that big one with Mystique is, is one is... Mystique gets no trouble for being the one who broke Kane out to begin with. No trouble. No trouble at all. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> go back to your go back to your friggin' nice fancy principal public school job, Raven. Yeah, okay. The other one is it was just it's kind of silly to have these two dudes, Scott and Lance, just like these aggro, you know, masculine, chest thumping, whoa, we gotta win. Bro, we gotta win. And Scott more so than anyone else. Like, yeah, sure, the Brotherhood wanted to get up there, and they're willing to cheat to do so. But Scott was like, you know, Spike, nail us the fucking rope and, and get us up there. He's, he was just, like, all about it. And I'm like, really? Really, man? Is this is this really what we need? The fucking pissing contest. Exactly. Yeah. And so 
So seeing the conflict with Scott was was sort of interesting because yeah, again, we know him as as the Boy Scout, and it was like a, an episode or two ago where he was like Mister Military, you know. But here he's like, you know, because he feels this like threat from like another guy who's the leader of his own group. It becomes like you said, a pissing contest, and I, I just thought that was kind of silly. Um, but I'm glad that that somebody stepped up to him and that it was Gene and was like, uh, no, we're, we're not going to do that. I know you didn't really like it too much, but honestly, I, I was kind of done with the whole pissing contest before it even really started. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? <laughs> you need to sing more on the podcast. I feel like you don't <laughs> do that enough, honestly. I feel like you used to do that more often. So I don't know. Other than that, though, like I really like this episode. This is one that has stuck with me over time. Like I, 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 I've forgotten a lot about this show, but like most of this one episode, for some reason, always stuck with me because of how happy it made me in the end that they all work together, and also that the sergeant called him Sumner. Like that's always I've always found that so stupid and so hilarious. I don't know why. You remembered um, the name Sumner? It's it's almost like Summer, but oh it's Sumner. <laughs> that's the joke anyway what what did you think about this episode i mean i liked it um like i said i'm not crazy about this depiction of jean i feel like she's just being like a mom the whole show mom jeans mom jeans but yeah i thought it was cute i just uh you know i really like avalanche in that show i think he's really cute yeah um and uh i did i did like them working together I don't know. I, I do remember them taking that picture together from this episode. Like, I don't know why that was like a memory that I had that they like had a picture together, but none of the contacts like that. It was on top of a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I thought it was cute. And so, and you know, I mean like the message there is kind of like hokey, but it's like, you know, even with like your rivals, you can work together and accomplish greater things. You know, I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it because it's like rivals, not as opposed to like, you know, like the group that fights against you, you know, it's not like, like if it was the purifiers, it would be a different story. Like the message would not be, it would not be okay. It would not be like, whoa, look, mutants and purifiers. When we put our minds together, we can do great things. No, 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 no. This is different. This this is different. You know, it's like a minority group working with the cops. No, 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 no. That's a photo op. Shut the fuck up. So (laughs) this was was different. And, and so I really appreciated this. So would you do Ironback bareback? Would you call Xavier and Kane Cerebros? Do Juggernaut go anywhere, folks, because we'll be right back after the commercial break. Hey, Kurt, like, check out this totally awesome website. Uh, Kitty, what is a website? You totally find websites on the internet, you silly fuzzball. What is the internet? The blue fuzzy dude is confused. Like, it's something AI gore. AI gore? (laughs) AI gore. That's the robot version of Al Gore, by the way. (laughs) Al Al Gore died years ago, and nobody noticed that they replaced him with AI gore. (laughs) Al Gore, listen, Al Gore created the internet so AI gore could live forever. Shit, I don't want to cut any of that out. I might just leave all this in there. There's a commercial, everyone. All right. Keep going, Patty. You got this. Pick it up from AI Gore. Like, it's... 
like, it's something AI Gore created so dumb people could, like, be angry and ick some with each other. But not on Geekade.com. Geekade.com is great. Whoa! Look at all these articles and podcasts! Geekade.com sure has the moves! They totally do! And if you like video games, comic books, movies, and TV shows, then Geekade.com totally has, like, everything you need, you know? I love all those things almost as much as I love to party! There's, like, totally something for everyone on Geekade.com. And it looks like Geekade.com even has YouTube and Twitch channels. Did AI Gore create those too? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Kitty, where'd you go, Kitty? <laughs> Totally. AI Goro was the best because, like, at least we had a vice president who could spell potato. Kitty, only old people will get that joke. Like, totally check out geekkid.com today. Oh, man. I'm not editing any of that. That was fantastic. That's the highlight of this whole fucking episode. Forget it. <laughs> it's because the small L looks like a capital I. Uh-huh. Uh. Yeah. That, was, that was funnier than the potato joke. I don't know how many people are going to remember that Dan Quayle didn't know how to spell potato. Vice president from 1988 to 1992. Raise your hand if you remember Dan Quayle, folks. I didn't even remember. know that that was a vice president. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. knew his name, but I didn't know who he was. Yeah, so he misspelled potato. I forget when, but it was in a public setting. He spelled potato. <laughs> Spelled potato with an E at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Potote. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not how that reads, but uh, then again, I didn't write it down. You just went through it. No, yeah, well, I wrote down Al Gore and it still ended up as AI Gore. You know what? I'm quitting this podcast. <laughs> We're having lots of fun today. All right. All right. So, anyway, the uh, other episode we're talking about, season one, episode 10 is Shadowed Past. And despite its title, this has nothing to do with Shadow Cat. Oh no, I was just going to ask you that. I know. Just kidding, I watched the episode with you. Alright, so here's the thing that I noticed. So at the beginning of this episode, uh, Rogue and Kitty, they share a room. They're going to bed. Separate beds, by the way. Just want to make that clear. <laughs> but Kitty has a dragon plushie, and I thought that was really cute. Oh, it I didn't been- even notice it. It would have been cuter if the dragon was purple. It was not. It was a oh. green dragon. That sucked. I, I, but I still thought it was an, an almost nod. But Rogue is having nightmares. There's a cloaked person running out of a castle with a baby. And the shadowy figure, another shadowy figure is, is Magneto. Wolves are chasing the cloaked person. And she's at a bridge and drops the baby. Oopsies. Yeah. Hot potato. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Patty. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Don't play hot potato with Dan Quayle because he can't <laughs> he can't even spell potato, let alone hold on to a baby. Um, all right. Or Michael Jackson, but for multiple reasons. Whoa, 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 whoa! Remember whoa. when he dangled that baby out the ba- out the balcony? Uh, yes, Patty. We all remember. <laughs> <Blanket>. so. <laughs> all right. So Rogue wakes up screaming. And uh, Rogue is trying to, like, 
you know, remember her dream, was like talking about it. She's like, I feel like I know the baby. And she's looking at Kurt. And Kurt's like, why are you looking at me? Rogue's like, I just know that baby was you. And so everybody's like, oh, we got finals tomorrow. We need to get some sleep. We'll talk about this in the morning. And Xavier's like, Gene, Rogue, and Kurt, come to the library. So Xavier is looking in Rogue's mind and sees that the mom is Mystique. And the baby floats upstream. And like this older couple finds him. And Xavier is like, it's a repressed memory, not a dream. Uh, Rogue must have absorbed memories from someone who knows. And and Kurt is like, oh, read my mind now. And Xavier decides, nope, now is bedtime. <laughs> had, had you all come here at three o'clock in the morning to read some minds, not everybody's minds, everybody go to bed. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, yeah. So Xavier goes to school and talks to Mystique. And Raven is trying to be all like harsh and coy and whatever. And like, you know, we all know it's your son. You're both blue. <laughs> that doesn't just fucking happen. You know, she gets mad and tells him to get out. Um, and this was really touching, though, because Xavier's like, just in case you're curious, he turned out to be a very fine lad. And you can see when he leaves, she's got like this sad look on her face. And, you know, as, mu- as much of an awful bitch as she is, I mean, she's tried to kill children on multiple occasions throughout the <laughs> show. Like this, this episode really did give me the feels. It really did. I still don't like Mystique. I love Kurt. Kurt is so lovable. Like, like I like him in the comics, and he's he's had some great moments over the years, but Kurt in this show is fucking lovable. I way prefer this show's version of Kurt. Yeah. Not yeah. because I dislike Kurt or anything in the comics, but uh, he's not as good as this one. Yeah, a- absolutely. He's, he's such a good boy. He's such a fucking good boy. Very good boy. 10 out of 10. Yeah. So, so Xavier must have gotten coordinates of this castle from Mystique's, uh, Mystique's memories. It gives the coordinates to Logan. Logan's in the Blackbird's going to go find the castle. So what you do when you find a guy who uh, can control metal is you give the dude with metal bones the coordinates. <laughs> tell him to go snoop around the place. That's the plan. But anyway, so Kurt's super excited after some of the finals are over because he wants Xavier to read his mind. You know, Rogue is like, you, you know, like, aren't things just okay the way they are? And Kurt's like, oh, my adoptive parents were great, but I always felt they were keeping something from me. And, you know, Kurt wants to know the truth. And Rogue is just kind of like content knowing what she knows. Irene is her mom. That was how she was raised. She's content with that. Kurt isn't. Kurt wants to know the truth. And I kind of appreciate this from a personal note. You know, I've stated before, both my parents were adopted. I was young when I found out that I wasn't blood related to all this family around me um, that raised me. I, I can only imagine what my mom and my dad separately went through to find the families that, you know, like they're, they're natural biological families. But, uh, but anyway, you see Raven sends Pietro on a mission into the mansion to deliver something. Xavier catches him coming, but of course he's gone before anybody can do anything. Um, so it was an invite to Kurt anonymously, like meet, at the this construction site and come alone. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, Pietro is feeding information to Magneto. Magneto doesn't want Kurt to find out anything from Mystique. We don't really know why yet, but Logan gets to this castle and he doesn't actually face Magneto. That would have been funny. That would have been pointless. <laughs> I guess. I mean, Logan is, is kind of likable here. You know what I mean? They should I have sense Colossus instead. 
But there's there's no Colossus. There. I know. I'm just saying. Just always yeah. send Wolverine and Colossus when you need Magneto's ass kicked. Yeah, that's right. Fastball special. That'll work. <laughs> uh, but uh, so so Logan says that it looks like a DNA lab is inside, and it's all destroyed already. And so this lab he smelled ex- it. He smelled it and said it seems like a DNA lab. So he must have smelled all the sperm. <laughs> if there's one person whose nose knows sperm, it's Logan. <laughs> He could probably like type it out for you and stuff. He could pick anybody's sperm out of a lineup. His nose. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, but but here's the thing. It's like I I like this episode again. It got me in the feels for a couple of different reasons. I I have an issue though with we don't know the extent of the experiments yet, but we can kind of guess that Magneto is conducting some sort of experiments on mutants now. Is there a group of people in history who conducted experiments on minority groups during a, a certain period of time, during multiple periods of time, but one group in particular that did it that Magneto is familiar with? Human experiments. I mean, you know, considering Magneto's history, you know, as a fucking survivor of World War II, you would think that this guy maybe wouldn't wouldn't be all for mutant experimentation. I don't know, but I believe in in a couple of episodes, this is going to come back, and it just strikes me as a little odd. Like, remember when we were talking about Wolverine and the X-Men, and Genosha had, like, the hidden jail, and you rightfully pointed out that Magneto would not be doing this to mutants? Yes. I'm kind of getting the same feels from this, too. Yes, that's what I was thinking, too, is, like, if somebody is experimenting on mutants, it's sinister. It's not Magneto. Because Magneto is all about mutant supremacy. He's not looking to build something better out of the race like Apocalypse is. Like, he's not trying to, like, do, uh, what's it called? Eugenics. eugenics. Yeah, yeah, he's not trying to, like, do eugenics or anything. Like, I mean, that would be, like, you know, again, Apocalypse or Sinister. So, yeah. this, none of this at all has anything that even smells like Magneto. So, I really don't like this depiction of magneto so that's sort of and 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 what you're you were just saying is sort of where this is headed if i remember correctly and i'm certain that i do and i'm I'm not a big fan of that now i don't believe that that is the way magneto remains for the rest of the show but this this is setting up this plot point that's going to come back shortly that just doesn't really make too much sense for the character and i'm all about writers taking liberties you know with it like obviously like we're talking about like this show is is quite a bit different than the x-men we know in the comic books and i'm all fucking for it um but this is a liberty that i'm, I'm not particularly fond of considering this character's history um yes. and it, it could have been any other villain uh really it could have been any other fucking villain just you know not magneto well uh, i so- mean i guess magneto is so like not like identifiable but like i don't know i if you asked like, 10 people on the street to name an X-Men villain. Oh, yeah. Like, 9 out of 10 of them would say Magneto. Sure, sure. Or 10 yeah. out of 10. I don't know. I haven't tried it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. So, so they're like, okay, who's, a, who's an X-Men villain that everybody knows? Okay, Magneto. Well, we have to use Magneto, so we'll just make him do this bad thing. Yeah. But it, it's... Ugh, it's weird. So that's that's my that's my gripe about this episode really. It's kind of a big one. Outside of that though, you know, it was it was sad. There were, there were a couple of great moments though. 
There were a couple of great moments, though, and, and they kind of come when Mystique and Kurt come face-to-face alone. Uh, Xavier asks Scott and Jean to search Kurt's room because he's missing. I don't know why Xavier couldn't do a telepathic scan and find him, but I guess he decided to do it this way. Uh, but Jean finds the note that Mystique wrote him. So Kurt shows up at the construction site alone, and Mystique is waiting for him, and she calls him son. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, all, like, confused or whatever. But then the Brotherhood shows up, and Mystique wants them all to leave, but Pietro basically says, we've got orders from higher up. So they, they attack Kurt. But then the, you know, the X-Men show up. I forget who, who said it. I think it might have been Lance when Kurt got knocked out and was like, that was easy. And Scott is like, wrong. It just got hard. <laughs> what happens when it's what happens when Scott Summers shows up, things get hard. <laughs> so yeah, so it, you know, it was a fun fight between uh between the X-Men and the Brotherhood. But my favorite fucking part came when Rogue knocks uh knocks Lance to the ground and she touches him and Mystique goes to run away. And Rogue uses Avalanche's powers. I loved this so much. And this, I didn't remember which episode it happened. I just remembered that it did happen. I remembered that Rogue got her own bendy note. And that her bendy note was a little bit higher than Lance's. Did you realize that? No, I didn't even know that there was a bendy note. Yes, every time Lance uses his powers, there's a bendy note. Okay, well, excuse me because I can't put the TV very loud. (laughs) Well, fine. All right, Lance has a bendy note when he uses his powers. Okay. So so Rogue got a bendy note too, and it was a little bit higher, but she got a bendy note. I loved it. Oh, man, so good. But Mystique turns into a raven and flies away. Bitch. Yeah, so anyway. So yeah, so genetic experimentation on mutants. It's just, it's weird. You know, Xavier is like talking to, to I think, Scott and Jean about this. But in the meantime, like, Kurt seems real sad, and he's talking to Rogue. Um, and Kurt's like, Mystique is my mother? Rogue's like, who knows? Maybe she's just messing with you. And it's really cute because, you know, Rogue is like, we'll find the answers together. And, and Kurt's, Kurt's, like, upset. It's like, I have a feeling that Xavier knows more than he's telling me. And Rogue is just like, well, maybe there's a reason for it. And again, you know, I kind of have, have mixed feelings on this. I mean, I know my own experience. I, I know that I was little when I found out about, you know, my family and it was a little tough and I didn't really understand it. I didn't know how to how to really deal with it or accept it. And part of me was mad and part of me threw it in my grandparents, the ones who raised me. I threw it in their face a couple of times when we would fight. It affected me a bit more when I was a teenager um, and kind of felt like I didn't belong. But yeah, you know, I just have mixed feelings, you know, like tell the kid, tell the kid and be supportive. You know, I mean, he's got like this found family. You know, they're living in the Institute together. Uh, he, You know, he can try to help him deal with his feelings. Yeah, talk it out or something. I don't know. But don't fucking hide things from him. Like, if you know things. Like, we just had a whole episode about trust, you know, where Xavier knew that Mystique was the principal but didn't want to tell the kids. I, I guess I, I kind of understand, like, why they might not want to tell him what they know because, you know, he might not process it well or whatever but you know that's kind of like a for him to deal with on his own i guess or decide how he wants to deal with it you know it's for for him it's for him to decide so like i said i i have mixed feelings on it and just because i i have mixed feelings on it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing or a good thing somebody else may read this differently and have different feelings on it somebody may have different experience with 
not knowing who their natural family is. I mean, we all deal with things differently. Some people may not care. Some people may take it badly. I don't know. But the thing is, is like the very, very end of this episode is like Raven, Principal Raven is looking out the window to this girl getting dropped off. And it's like, bye, mom. We'll see you later. And she's looking all sad. You know what? I don't feel an ounce of sadness for her because she, in the comics, intentionally threw him down the waterfall. So, yeah, well, you know what? You get no pity for me because I know what you're about. <laughs> well, even, you know, this Raven, you know, she's been awful. Awful. Yeah, I mean, she tried killing Rogue. <laughs> she tried killing Rogue. She tried killing Scott. You don't get to, like, be all sympathetic and sad and shit, you know, because your your son is here it's it's just it's it's weird like it was effective for the episode the sad music playing you know made me feel kind of sad but also like intellectually i'm like fuck you bitch (laughs) like why you let the juggernaut loose in the fucking mansion uh just last episode god yeah he was still your son then bitch (laughs) yeah so altogether i i did like this episode because it did hit you know a couple of like serious um emotional beats maybe part of that is personal maybe some of that is objective i don't know um and the magneto thing is just it's hitting wrong but i i do like uh you know this is developing more of a connection between rogue and kurt i i really do like that yeah they're siblings the two of them are fantastic in this show i i absolutely love them yeah i i agree um with all the things that you said (laughs) I mean, I can't really talk to the, like, natural parents thing and, like, wanting to know or not wanting to know or not caring because it's never happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I don't think I would care. But, again, that's just me. And, yeah. you know, everybody handles things differently, obviously. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, I wouldn't give a shit, so why is it a big deal, you know? Because obviously that's not the case with everybody no that's and that's true like i said you know i mean i'm explaining like what i think of it just because like i'm I'm speaking to my sort of experience with it doesn't mean that it's like everyone else's more so my mom and my dad you know what i mean because like when i was little like i knew my parents i knew who they were like I, i saw my mom regularly i didn't really see my dad very much at all but like I, I, I had seen him, I knew who he was, you know, and I was raised by my grandparents. It was a little different for them, you know, like they had to do some tracking to find where they came from. And there are, are people who, you know, handle it differently anyway. Um, so it is what it is. But I, I just thought that this was a really interesting way to uh, a really interesting way to touch on this subject of, you know, your your uh, biological family versus found family and, and wanting to know the truth about where you came from. Yeah, it was handled really well, especially with Kurt, too, because, you know, as we've stated, he's he's, you know, he's a great character in the comics, but he's like the most lovable in this show. And yeah. so I think seeing him having feelings over this, me as a viewer, it just hits that much more. So I'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us. And remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. Join us for episode five in two weeks when we discuss Grim Reminder and the Cauldron. And until then, that very fine lad was right. Ah, the feels.